0: Victor's here. Yeah,
1: Victor was just on Logan's
0: podcast. Yes, he was. He was. We should definitely bring Victor in. Victor up, rather.
2: <clears throat>
0: I've just sent an invite to Victor. So I'll make you the mod as well, uh, Jojo. OK, Victor, I've just sent you an invite to come up. Hey, Victor, how are you? Hi, Arun.
2: I'm great. Hi Jojo. Hi.
1: Where are you these
2: days? These Pasad- Pasadena. Ah, California. Yeah. <clears throat> Fantastic. Yeah. For I think
0: everybody knows you, Victor. It would be a travesty if they didn't. But I think uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but but I, for those I, who actually don't know you yet. Uh, I think uh, you should you should give, uh, Victor is a good friend and a former colleague uh, and uh, a, great fr- a great friend of mine and Jojo, but that's the only personal intro that I want to give. Do you want to kind of say a few things about yourself, Victor, to the people who are the uninitiated to peak off?
2: Thank you, Arun, for the invitation. I am a CEO of Medipase, a company that develops sacral modulation technology for inflammatory bowel disease. And I'm also at another company called TRI, which develops non-invasive neuromodulation devices for gastrointestinal diseases. And overall, I am in the field of bioelectronic medicine... Which Arun, you know really well since we both worked at GSK and Galvani on multiple bioelectronic applications. And uh, because of that work, I am very excited about these tiny autonomic nerves in the body that can really help in a lot of diseases. Thank you. Great, thank you. And we actually, Arun, I don't
1: think we're gonna talk about it just yet, but we actually have a project we're gonna I think it's going to be pretty exciting. So we haven't we haven't talked about this, uh, um, about how we're going to talk about this publicly. So I, I say we can leave it. We'll decide how we're going to launch it in a couple of weeks um, and start talking about it. But um, definitely stay tuned here on Bioelectronics. And then, um, Arun, should we get into... Oh, look, Victor are there any updates on Metapaste and what's happening there with... with um, what you're doing with
2: Tionde Chen and the company there? Yeah, um, I am involved in two companies, Medipace and TRI. Uh, and the division <coughs> is uh, Medipace is a class three devices, implantable IPG type. And TRI is uh, transcutaneous electrical stimulation. so for TRI, we have uh, actually, we're just launching two clinical studies uh, using NIH funding that's quite exciting for two different (coughs) gastrointestinal diseases. And the idea is to bring those two devices to market soon. Uh, Plus, we also have one regular 510K uh, submission now. So we'll have maybe three devices soon on the market. Uh, On the implantable side, the story as usual is a little bit complicated and longer. Um, And uh, in the US, I'm still not successful in getting funding, but we have a sister company in China that is more successful. So, so I've been involved on, in that one as well and speaking with Chinese VCs. So we, we just finished <clears throat> the contract with a strategic investor in China and we call it like a Metronic of China. It's a big company that, that makes IPGs for neuromodulation in China. And so they will be supporting us both as making our devices as well as distributing them and um, giving us money to, to launch the product in China. So, so that's <clears throat> good news in China. That's
1: really a silly question, um, but will you be able to use any of the revenue or um, anything generated by your Chinese partnership to help advance your um, U.S. or non, non-Asian market focus, or are they strictly separate and, and one can't advance the other?
2: I mean, there is a possibility of involving um, Chinese VCs in the U.S. company. There are implications for uh, CFIUS. I don't know for those people who know about this. It's a a branch of U.S. government that controls foreign investments in U.S. companies. And uh, (coughs) at some point, if you have more than 50% investment from foreign entities, it raises some kind of red flags for them. So we are hopeful we can have at least 50% of U.S. investment.
1: Awesome. Arun, are, yeah. are you able to um, talk now? Yes, I can.
0: But I think that definitely deserves a round of applause, I think.
2: <laughs> wow. Okay, thanks.
1: That's, you're, you're doing sound effects. I get it
2: now.
1: It
0: all makes sense. <laughs> so that's that's fantastic. Should we drive straight in? Um,
1: Let's do it. Okay. Um,
0: so, just a couple of housekeeping things. So, first of all, welcome to everybody uh, in the audience. Um, ben, Khalid, uh, I kind of have known you both uh, through regular attendance here. So, thank you uh, and welcome to all the new attendees here. Um, we uh, are recording this session, so this will be out on our podcast channel, Scraps. Uh, this is the you're attending the Scraps Neurotech News. Are it's it's our fortnightly or or biweekly news hour uh, session that we both myself and Jojo Platt host. And we kind of go through some of the movers and shakers in academia and industry um, as it pertains to the field of neurotechnology and bioelectronic medicines. Um, We do offer opinions from time to time, uh, but most of the time uh, in this news hour, it's basically about just having a forum that will collectively celebrate all things that is happening in the field of neurotechnology and bioelectronic medicine or neuromodulation, as as some of us will basically refer to uh, from time to time. So that's what the session is. So please go ahead and and subscribe to the Neurotech kind of club. We also do have a Scraps club as well. We will soon Start hosting sessions there um, uh, as part of uh, that is separate to what we host here in the Neurotech Newsar, um, and so please do search for it. Uh, it's our namecast. It's a namesake kind of club, and you can subscribe to that. But with that, uh, I think we've just not had sessions in that club because we've been busy completing something, uh, Jojo. So do you want to just tell everybody the update on what we normally do uh, through our podcast and then. Uh, we'll get straight into the news items right away after that.
1: Sure. So uh, we just finished our 10 part series on <clears throat> psychedelic <clears throat> medicines called psychedelic. Um, and we're really proud of it. I think our minds have been um, eternally shaped and changed by going through this process. Um, I, was probably more open to the idea of psychedelic medicines than Arun at the very beginning, but I think he's he's come to see the light after all of the interviews and research that we've done. And Dr. Shirena Rice is on here with us, and she was instrumental in helping with the research there. Um, so the 10-part series is wrapped up. We do have some bonus content that we launched last week and then again coming up later this week with some of the personal stories um, we wanted to be sure that um, for all of the pro-psychedelic medicine um, information that we put out there, we also tried to provide a balanced view um, with a very personal story from a very good friend of mine um, who, was, who came on and told us about her brother and his experience with psychedelics and other drugs um, and, and um, the challenges <clears throat> that he faced because of other mental health disorders. Um, making him a a non-candidate for psychedelic therapies, and it's certainly not for recreational use. Um, So, yeah, trying to provide the balance there. And then once these are done, we'll get back to some of our standard um, interview-style podcasts with people you know and love. And um, then then we'll have our other project that we're going to keep under wraps for now.
0: Absolutely. And I might be a bit biased, uh, but I personally feel that it is it is one of the best narrative podcast experiences uh, that is out there on this topic. And we actually got a fantastic feedback from some amazing scientists at one of the leading kind of companies in the psychedelic space, uh, who are all veterans of drug discovery, who basically said that this is the best in their podcast series uh, that they've listened to on psychedelics. So If you haven't, please go ahead and look up Psychedelics. It is the last four letters of Psychedelics that is replaced by prescription symbol RX. So it's Psychedelics. Uh, And if you follow our Scraps podcast, you should have a link. You should actually see all the episodes there as well. Um, But that's the announcement. Uh, That's a personal plea. So if you haven't listened to it, please do listen to it. And if you already have listened to it, please make sure that you shout and cry uh and for us uh and spread the word uh so that we can actually kind of ensure that we can we can get the word out to people uh, about this particular podcast so with that i think it is time for our first news item
1: <laughs> you're so getting into the <laughs> the sound effect i love it um where do we should we go We'll take it in order, I guess, Arun. Yeah, let's Maybe? let's
0: take it in order. Jojo, go for okay. it.
1: Okay, so um, academics first. Yes. All right, let's do. Um, this is there's it's kind of a light couple weeks in in the academic research <coughs> announcements. I don't know if this is residual from vacation time and lag in publication dates, but um, one of the big ones is University of Connecticut. Um, definitely making a push in their engineering department. They hired 13 new faculty members at varying levels, um, several of which are um, in biomedical and electrical engineering. Um, I think maybe only one Mechie, um, which is a strong signal that they're trying to, to up that department and, and increase their names and awareness in the, and possibly the art area of research and Neurotechnology and bioelectronic medicine. So hopefully we've got some um, fresh fish to go after. And if you're out looking for a partnership or a collaboration, definitely looking to see what they're doing. I would guess that along with the hires comes some sort of funding that they can use to get them up and running. So it's um, maybe a good place to go to go looking for collaboration. <clears throat> um, next up. I'm a little bit scatterbrained this week, and I do apologize.
0: Ooh. Oh, before we go there, before we go there, uh, I think this is almost the the third center that has just come up in the last kind of 18 months or 12 months, isn't it, with respect to Oregon, uh, University of California, uh, and UConn now, kind of going big in the field of, of neurotechnology. Yeah, well,
1: uh, University of Oregon and the Knight Center there, and then the um, Karen Mosson's new center at UC Davis. Those are specifically neurotechnology focused or um, centers. UConn wasn't so much of a center as just a vibe I picked up on their announcement with thirteen new engineering faculty. It does seem like they've got a um, a focus in the area, but they haven't announced an actual center.
0: Yeah. But but but, th- but this is going to be a great start for, for a center, uh, for a university that, that basically has very few faculty there. So th- it's a fantastic time to actually have uh, young talent come up through the ranks here on the academic side. It'll be fantastic
2: to watch.
1: Yeah. Um, Arun, I'm going to ask <clears throat> you to um, bring Hubert up. I happen to know he's either on a flight or catching a flight. Um, but we did have some news this week that, involves hubert yet again um and that is the BlackRock investment in hubert's technology and the I device um
0: and hubert never sleeps exciting. so yeah he, he <laughs> either is traveling or is giving lots of talks or he's always kind of uh doing something important so hubert he's welcome
1: gonna be, he's gonna be the first research volunteer for some of the uh, jet lag applications that DARPA is working on, I'm going to guess. <laughs> so,
2: sorry, I can't talk. I'm on a plane, but I uh, just wanted to join in with him.
1: Sorry. Oh, no worries, Hubert. Okay. We thought we'd try. Um,
0: so, so with your permission, we might actually insert a few other details that are probably not so factual, Hubert. So you might just have to put up with it. Yeah.
1: He was going on a, on a hiring spree, and he's giving away free money to everybody on this call, unless you speak now. Just kidding. All right. Um. So BlackRock, I, I I did since we're on the subject before we we moved back over to to some of the other headlines. Um, BlackRock is definitely since their investment from Peter Thiel's group and, and others. They got that fresh ten million dollars a couple months ago, and they're really doubling down on a lot of different initiatives. I like that they're staying focused in, in the brain technologies and and implantables. Obviously, is their their sweet spot, um, but they've they've kind of been the silent the silent uh, I don't know mm-hmm. Titan under the seas, and now it looks like they're they're ready to push forward in a much more public, much more of a leadership role in this. What do you think about what they're doing, Arun?
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think I think they're also kind of realizing that that I think doing things just in the brain, uh, kind of core BCI kind of space itself is not going to be enough. And it's fantastic to actually see them push into kind of other disorders and especially. One that I think uh, people like Hubert, et cetera have kind of worked so hard, especially with with the hearing disorders et cetera i i I think it's a great great place um to apply the technology and and then see what happens because I think having spoken with Hubert kind of offline about some of these things in terms of challenges, I think just getting a higher resolution kind of uh interfacing with some of the regions of the brain that that mediates hearing and and those type of signaling there is going to be very, very crucial. So, uh, yeah, this is exciting. And I'm glad that uh, Dr. Lim is right in center in the thick of
1: it. Yeah, I'm going to go one step back again with the non-science part of this. Um, I've gotten to know Marcus Earhart, the uh, co-founder of BlackRock lately. And what I really appreciate, I, I've sent a couple of people his way um, and are working at BlackRock now. And. Um, I really enjoy. He's a very matter of fact kind of guy, and very, um, very focused on getting stuff done and getting the right things done, which I applaud. <clears throat> you don't always see that in in leadership at companies. So um, he did disappoint me, though. Sadly, he uh, was part of my faculty for this week's Cleveland uh, Neurodesign Entrepreneurs Workshop, which is part of why I'm so scatterbrained. All well, I'm always scatterbrained, but more so this week um the workshop is starting on friday and we have an amazing weekend with some really great faculty 32 great students from around the world we were lucky enough to get three students in from um from europe they were we were successful in getting them travel visas and travel grants and all sorts of things there so um anyway um (coughs) Marcus Gerhardt was supposed to be on our faculty. He <clears throat> couldn't make it at the last minute, so he's sending a, an ambassador, David Hoagland, who's uh, a little bit newer to our space, but pretty impressive nonetheless, um, deep in the medical device market. Um, you guys should keep an eye out there. He's definitely hiring, if that's of interest to you guys. Um, so take a look there. Um, and I think that's it for academic stuff. Yeah,
0: and I think on, on just that part alone, uh, just in terms of just because we at Scraps are about kind of dissemination of factful stories and information about science and scientists and innovators. Uh, I think there is a fantastic kind of podcast episode that that uh, that Marcus Gerhardt actually did with uh, the paradromics CEO, Matt Engel, uh, on the paradromics kind of podcast. It's called Neurotech Pub, if I'm correct. Uh, that is a good listen uh, uh, with uh, with those guys there. I think it's it's a fantastic, good podcast if you're solely interested in the brain-computer interface space because that's what the focus of the companies are. Uh, but it's it's a really good uh, place to actually kind of get a lot of kind of in-depth information about companies and, and how things have gone from academia to industry, et cetera. So definitely look that up, and that's a great source of information on companies like BlackRock, et cetera. Uh, at this point of time. So I just want to kind of put that out there because it's important for us to kind of, we are fostering a community here and as and when new information is available, um, we just want to kind of give a shout out to people uh, in the area uh, for doing a good job on those those fronts.
1: Yeah, so we have um, Matt Engel's chirodromic podcast that you should go listen to with Marcus and then Victor's episode that was just out on <coughs> um, Laden's podcast, that's Neural Implant Media. So check that one out too. Um, on the industry topics, this one, again, on the management side, but I think it's a strong signal of what's going on with ElectroCore. They just promoted one of their board members um, he has been on the board since, I believe, April of 2020, um, but they promoted him to chairman, Peter Geneo. Neo. I don't know how, how how to pronounce his last name, but he is a 35 year veteran of turnaround um, and some pretty significant companies, um, household name brands, Marvel before they got sold to Disney. Um, he's a heavy hitter. So I think that's a signal, too, that electric is going to have some pretty serious changes coming down the pipe. I know that their their stock has been um, had its ups and downs um, and there's there's great technology there. And I think that, um, you know, some of the pipeline issues there, in my opinion, and again, it's only an opinion is that they suffer from being one of the first ones to really navigate some of the regulatory and reimbursement issues for our space. Um, and that they've spent a lot of time to everyone else's benefit. They've spent a lot of time educating regulators, and insurance and, and um, Medicare, Medicaid reimbursement structures on what neurotechnology really is. And I, I think we all need to take a moment and say thanks for, for that heavy <clears> lift because we're all going to have to do it at some point. And now, thankfully, the people that we're going to encounter are better educated about what neurotechnology can do and what we're all about.
0: Yeah, and I think for, for other people who are in the audience who aren't very familiar with what uh, what electrocore does and something that we need to do now, Jojo, if I can take the liberty to do so, is to inform people what electrocore does for people who are listening to this information for the first Go time. So, electrocore, yeah. so within the body, there are multiple nerves that mediate function. If you want to listen to a lot of information on how the vagus nerve, I think, again, Victor's podcast episode with Laden is a great example of that. So please go and listen to that. But one of the key things that this company, ElectroCore, that we just spoke of, which actually has a new CEO, uh, is doing is uh, stimulating the vagus nerve using a handheld device uh, through a, as a transcutaneous stimulation. Um, so this the company actually claims that they can, they can focus the, the stimulation to the cervical vagus, which is the nerve in the neck that kind of resides very close to the carotid artery and mediates a lot of function, uh, all the way from from upper airway, muscle movements to respiratory function, cardiovascular function, gastrointestinal function, uh, everything that you can think of, kind of neck down, uh, is in some shape or form mediated by the vagus nerve. So ElectroCore basically has studied the use of its device in, in multiple kind of disease indications in small studies, but they have their primary indication that they are kind of going after, and they recently just IPO'd and raised around $280 um, million dollars, uh, through the IPO. So we will keep a watch on that, and that's the update on ElectroCore, and we should move with that to the next news item, which is, interestingly, the intersection of data, neuroscience, and neurotechnology. So what's that, Jojo.
1: Yeah. So um, Rune Labs, Brian Peppin, the founder and CEO of Rune Labs came on with um, a seed round announcement for Room um, last, I believe, August or September, September. Um, and they raised a couple million dollars there, but they have just announced their series A at 22.8 million. Um, and these rounds are definitely getting bigger. That used to be a, a very healthy Series B, and now Series A is coming in at twenty-three million. Um, that was led by Eclipse Ventures, um, which is is uh, <clears throat> I believe they're new to the mix um, this time around, and they put a board member on uh, who wasn't previously there. And then there there are other investors, Digitex and Mo- um, sorry Moment Ventures also participated in the round. So Brian and and company there are doing a really great job. I think. Um, the other um, data players, Blackfin, they're they're doing pretty well, too. Obviously, different players, different spaces. But putting the focus on data, I think, is really important. We've got um, a really cool segment, actually, at the workshop this weekend called What to Expect When You're Expecting Data, which I'm really excited about. Because I think there are a lot of things that get overlooked when we're, when we're playing in that space i think the opportunity to monetize data as a, an additional revenue stream is, is something that companies should start thinking about um, along with the obvious data security um, <clears throat> privacy architecture you know what's happening when it's transmitted all of the ethical considerations around data anyway i digress so um congratulations to rune on a 23 million rate
0: did you say arun or rune
1: uh <laughs> Did you raise 23
0: million and I didn't know about it? So I think I think it's also important. Yeah, I mean I, w- I would have loved to kind of if I had 23 million I would be in- investing uh with that 23 million I wouldn't be keeping it to myself for sure. Um but having said that I think for people in the audience uh before that I just want to kind of give a quick shout out to Russell Kelly Jeans uh who I've known for a long time we haven't spoken to each other but Russell was actually one of the leadership coaches while I was working for GSK, and I've kind of attended quite a few number of, of leadership courses that of Russell's, uh, which is a fantastic. Uh, he's a fantastic guy, and 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 his leadership workshops are, are awesome. Uh, so if you need to kind of connect with Russell, uh, hit him up directly here. He's at the bottom in the in the urge section, listening in. Um, but Russell, if you're if you're listening in, hello from here, Arun. I think we've been kind of uh, I've been m- multiple courses of yours or workshops of yours on leadership um, many years ago, uh, but for people in the audience who are who do actually don't know much about Rune Labs, um, Rune Labs is actually uh, a SaaS uh, kind of software company uh, that is kind of uh, a new kid on the block. Although Brian Pepin would not like me to say that, but I will say that because Brian does pull my leg. Uh, but but it's it's a fantastic concept. And they have just published a paper in Frontiers in Neurology, if I'm correct, just two weeks ago. And we will add that to the show notes, the link. If you want to have more information on the type of information that they're collecting from electrodes that are implanted in the brain and how they will use the data to inform data mining and how that can inform new therapies, uh, both in the pharmaceutical as well as in the, in the device space, uh, this is definitely a company to watch. And, and Brian is also a former colleague of mine and Victor's while we were at Galvani. Uh, he was at Verily at the time. And it's been fantastic to watch another compatriot kind of go out and, and do wonders in the field. So, um, congrats, Brian and Rune Labs. And we will definitely keep our eyes peeled for more information um, on, on you and what you do. And Brian was actually on, um, I think, a month and a half ago when JoJo was uh, face-to-face at one of the meetings. Uh, that episode is also recorded and it's on, available on our podcast channel. So go and listen to that because Brian does speak about uh, what they did. And he did drop a breadcrumb saying that they are talking to investors and they will actually have some big announcements soon. And we believe that this is the announcement that Brian was alluding to at the time. Um, so,
1: I So Actually, I think the big announcement was that uh, Neuromod and Beer in San Francisco is coming back starting next month. <clears> that, that, that was the big announcement.
0: Yeah. So Neuromod and Beer, which is another, another kind of forum, <laughs> a social forum that I think Brian Pepin and I hear Jojo, you, got, you are also involved in organizing that. But interestingly, I could not escape the irony or the lack thereof that this is actually is organized in Haight-Ashbury, which... Interestingly has a very interesting link to psychedelics. Uh right? But I hope it's yeah. not you guys are not gonna do mushrooms there.
1: No, no, no. This is this is lower hate. It's a it's definitely a much uh more up and coming neighborhood. Hate Ashbury is still very much um the dominion of, of the dirty hippies. Um I was there last night, I can attest to it. Absolutely how dirty it is. I hate hate street. <clears throat> um But
0: yeah, Jojo's referring to the locality and not to the people. So just just clarifying that, putting it out there. Uh,
1: Oh, I didn't say that. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding.
0: I'm kidding. It's always fun. Um, But anyway, I think this is, again, a good plug for, for some of the new people in the audience. If you haven't listened to our 10 episode limited narrative podcast series on the therapeutic use of psychedelics said in a narrative storytelling fashion. Uh, that gives you everything about the area, about the Second Lake renaissance, as people call it, what's and all, I think the Psychedelics podcast is a great place to actually look at. So go to Spotify or or to Apple Podcasts or wherever you live, get your podcasts and look up Scraps, which is what is in the title of this room here. Um, and then the other news, which is very interesting uh, from an IP perspective, and I think we have Victor who kind of Things and dreams about IP, just like myself, and so does Hubert and a few others, etc., in the audience as well, uh, like people like Khalid. But I think it's very interesting that Metronics, uh, Metronic and Axonics were involved in a patent dispute, and that seemed to have gone both ways, interestingly and ironically. So, you want to cover that, yeah. Jojo? Yeah, I think
1: um, I believe it was Metronic who first sued Axonics. Exonic turnaround and countersued over patent disputes um, the, the review board agreed to hear six patents um, and my understanding is that five were rejected and one um, is either advancing or was upheld um, so everybody won everybody lost everybody spent a lot of money on attorney um, in terms of what this means for the respective companies i I'm going to defer to you on that one, Arun. I think you have a better a better feel for what they need <clears> for their technologies in this space. And Victor, too. I'd love to hear your take on it.
0: Victor, have you heard the news? What is what is your feeling or have you kept tabs with it?
2: Um, I haven't heard about the latest, but I, I did uh, review those seven patents earlier <laughs> because they also concern me working in the same area. Uh, of sacral neuromodulation. Um, Yeah, uh, what it looks like is that the judges upheld two patents, right? Uh, Patent claims uh, uh, for the two patents that are nearly expired. Um, And um, I don't know which ones are those, but I, I think from my memory, there were three main categories of patents. One had to do with the wireless charging, Another one had to do with the... Um, which incidentally wing. is
0: one of the core technologies of Axonics kind of sacral stimulator, exactly. which was claimed to be their differentiation over right. the traditional kind of pacemaker-like can lead stimulator that Medtronic was employing in its, in its sacral spinal root stimulator uh called product called interstem so go for it Victor. Go. i didn't mean to kind of interject. right just although, although
2: in, in uh, i just wanted to mention that uh, i don't think that neither company has really done anything unique with ch- charging yeah. <laughs> charging inductive charging has been around since 80s and 90s so um yeah the other two claims i think were kind of smaller one i think <clears throat> had to do with controller design and one had to do with leads if i remember correctly but um i don't know which two patents were upheld. Um yeah, I, I need to look up on that. But in, in any case, it, uh, there are counter suits. As you mentioned, there's a counter suit from Axonix. So, uh, and Medtronic does have a new um, sacral neuromodulation device that looks very much like Axonix. Uh, so, it, indeed, they have uh, some real um, stake here. So, Medtronic <clears throat> might indeed be violating some of the new patents from Axonix as well. So, I think it can go either way. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, this is not going to be the last time that we hear about this, right? I think the interesting thing is that the patent life that is actually left on the Medtronic uh, IP that the Patent Advisory Board uh, or PTAB uh, or the Patent Trial and Appeal Board, PTAB, sorry, uh, not Advisory Board, uh, I think they kind of, those two patents kind of expire in 2026. Um and then there was three IP that was contested. So Medtronic kind of, um, kind of got uh, the ruling in their favor on two of them, which expires in 2026. And Axonics kind of has um, kind of seemed to have won their side with the last piece of IP, which is, again, interesting because it just goes to show that in a crowded market space um, where there are two players and, and Axonics is kind of slowly eating into Kind of metronics market share with up to kind of 800 180 million in terms of annual sales at this point of time, as of last year. Uh, it's it's an interesting place because it's people are not just buying for um, for just revenue. It's also about perception and and what can be done. So this one is definitely one that that will be followed because there are quite a few companies, uh, even peripheral other peripheral nerve companies that are exploring. Urgent continents using novel kind of wireless charging methodologies, et cetera. And, and one of the companies who is kind of venturing into that space openly uh, through their clinical trials, et cetera, is Nuspera. So uh, while these Axonics and Metronic are all on the sacral root stem, Nuspera is, is probably also on the sacral root, but it, they have a different type of technology, is what they claim in terms of how they charge the device. So it'll be an interesting one to follow. Um again, just to put it out there that there is no involvement of Nuspera. I just brought Nuspera up just to kind of offer a comparison to people. But definitely it's a crowded area in terms of, of investment and, and how people are playing already uh, in the space because Interstem has been on the market for close to 20 years now. So it's not a new technology, but this just goes to show how long these patent lawsuits can actually run. Um, and rulings can actually take a long, long time.
1: Cool. Not to mention all those attorneys. There's got to be some pretty serious fees. And it's also a... by the hour. Yeah. But it's, it's also, you know, you've got a, a bigger player up against a newer player and <clears throat> you can afford to outspend another. So that's always a strategic option that a lot of companies employ, unfortunately.
0: But having said that, I think being a patent attorney after you finish your grad school is a fantastic way, especially in the field that we are in. Uh, it's a great avenue to explore for anybody who actually has uh, kind of an inclination towards patent and patent claims and, and how things, because it's, it's, the field is just starting to ripen at this point of time after many years of kind of focusing on certain areas. It's kind of expanding into other areas. Um, it's it's a great place to be if you're somebody really young and who really loves kind of looking or who at least has a legal inclination or wants has an interest in those matters at this point of time. So definitely somebody really young trainee should definitely keep keep an eye out for it and look out for it.
1: Yeah, why not go get your master's, your PhD, and your And your JD, all, you know, student loans be damned.
0: And with that, Jojo, I think we have Kali Deshag join us. Kali, thank you so much for being a very loyal uh, joiner to this Clubhouse session uh, week in, week out. Really appreciate that. And just want to kind of say hello, but uh, I think you kind of raised your hand. So over to you.
3: Yeah, (laughs) thanks. Thanks, thanks, Jojo. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, You know, yeah, Uh, enjoy a lot of all your all your uh, re- uh, research and all your commentary. Now, I just wanted to comment on, on this patent discussion. So it reminds me of a lot on what happened between uh, uh, Boston Scientific and Nevro uh, as well. And what typically, you know, you, the newcomer comes in, challenges the incumbents. Um, you know, you try to invalidate uh, the, the, the prior arts, prior patents. You fight you all the way through while you're filing your own patents. And at the end, the da- and they end up cross-licensing, <laughs> but obviously you spend a lot of money, as you're saying. So the only winners tend to be the, the patent attorneys in <clears throat> the legal departments. But um, it, it is one of those things that gets somehow for a startup's underestimated um, uh, strategies. So uh, advice would be, yeah, make sure you have very good patent attorneys who are filing for you uh, down the road. It would be very, very helpful. So that's, that's just what I wanted to comment, a very similar story between Exonics and Medtronic.
0: No, that's, that's a very, very good point, and and still, like I kind of know somebody who still gets uh, goes into deposition to this very day, um, and uh, a former employee of Nevro. Uh, it's it's fantastic to follow after all these years. Uh, it's still going on. Uh, it's amazing. It's
1: fantastic unless you're involved in it. And I'm, I don't think they make enough. uh, antacids and we do not want to be involved in that and think it's fun except as a spectator sport. (laughs) Khalid,
0: while we're on it, uh, we would would all love to kind of hear uh, uh, just to hear about what you do. Uh, I kind of know a bit about what you do uh, from having spoken to others, but this is the first time that we are speaking. So do you want to tell us a bit? And I do know that uh, you probably know Victor and I also know the company that you're associated with as well, uh, Pico Stem Bioinduction. So you want to tell us a bit about yourself and, and what you do, and also a bit about bioinduction as well? Because I did see a poster recently uh, that was kind of sure. looked at. Um, I was going to bring that up right after this, but glad that you're here as well. So tell us a bit about yourself, Khalid. Uh,
3: I'm happy to. just uh, in, in summary, uh, background is engineering. I came out of aeronautics, uh, signal processing, and then ended up in medical world. Um, Last 10 years that I spent 17 years at Boston Scientific, 10 years were at neuromodulation, started up the whole business with Cochlear Acquisition of Advanced Bionics, Cochlear Spinal Cord Stimulation, and then also started DBS, and then left and joined Pixium Vision. So I was uh, CEO for Pixium for the visual prosthetics, wireless technology from Stanford, took it from concept to first in human, uh, successfully uh, over what five years, and then uh, left um, and joined uh, uh, more the project with uh, uh, really a startup. I know Dr. Nick Patel from Bristol, who joined me in 2007 with Professor Ben Abid to get Boston scientists to go into DBS. Um, you know, I was a very reluctant Boston's decision to enter this space. This was just before they acquired guidance. So playing in the world of electronics was new for them. And uh, well, here we are uh, today. And I re entered the world of deep brain, but fascinated by not just by uh, incremental story of what bioinduction has built. Uh, it's a technology miniaturization, but also procedure, surgical procedure, which is addressing also opening gates to <clears throat> fascinating new indications like refractory hypertension with a central complex target, which is was discovered as, as ever by serendipity. <laughs> uh, Dr. Patel was treating actually a, a post-stroke patient, post-stroke pain. While he discovered this target, which allowed him to control uh, refractory refractory hypertension, as well as improving cerebral blood flow, which now has triggered into a hypothesis around how we can also treat cognitive uh, decline uh, on post-stroke dementia, dementia, uh, and eventually why not also Alzheimer's. So we're working on that as well, but the starting point will be prove the technology with cranialized, simplified, single-stage procedure. To treat PD because that is gold standard, uh, and but that will open the gate for us to uh, all these emerging unmet needs uh, using neurostimulation. But the goal is you have to simplify the procedure uh, and follow the trajectory of what happened in pacing, heart pacing. <coughs> right? Why is it that after all these years, thirty years almost of DBS, Professor Benavid started this? You know, we're still at five to seven percent penetration. The market and everybody is using a pacemaker, a classical in the chest uh, extensions, and all the you know, people are adding <laughs> incrementally complexity. Uh, while I'm arguing, and you know, we should go the other way, simplify and offer the treatment <clears throat> with image guided robotic assisted <clears throat> surgeries. That's what has been built as a solution. So we'll be debating that actually in a couple of weeks in Brussels, at the, uh, Europe, the, the Brain Forum, Brain Innovation Days. So we, we will try to pitch to the European Brain Project, the whole uh, innovation uh, around what can be done to improve access for patients, improve their experience and make it less scary. Deep brain stimulation its a crazy, <laughs> scary idea. But uh, what can be done to uh, make it more routine as a pacemaker is today? Heart piece maker. That's what I'm involved in at the moment. Yeah, I, I raising, think raising, raising financing. Yeah, <laughs> and it's and it's a, it's a it's a great
0: story as well. So for for all the others uh, in the audience uh, who may not be aware of of the type of technology that Bioinduction is working on, I think Bioinduction is both Victor and I have been privy to the Bioinduction in the early days of uh, through our kind of former work, which we can't reveal the details of. But uh, anyway, uh, I think bioinduction um, was uh, or is probably one of the smaller implant devices. Uh, So instead of a traditional, what people in the field describe as a can and a lead, a pacemaker-like device where the lead kind of going from brain regions deeper in the skull uh, to actually a wire that is just coming down along the neck into the chest right below the collarbone. Uh, Brian induction is actually working on a device that can be implanted within the skull or, or is small enough such that it doesn't have, it cannot be felt uh, by the patient on on their body. is something they do. And the poster, so they are actually going after the traditional neurological disorders, but some of the recent work that Khalid actually shared on his LinkedIn, uh, uh, if I'm correct, I think, which is where I kind of saw that Khalid, was that you're actually looking at, uh, as you suggested, a patient who actually had refractory hypertension where the blood pressure was in the, in excess of 200 millimeters mercury systolic, uh, despite being on standard kind of um, multiple multi-drug regimen uh, for a, a hypertension control, etc. And you folks had actually stimulated the periaqueductal gray uh, region, uh, and that actually lowered that. So... From a conceptual standpoint, I think for for someone like myself who actually has a deep understanding of autonomic neuroscience and and looks at sympathetic outflows and parasympathetic outflows etc. It's it's a it's a great kind of um, way how both the central nervous system and the autonomic system actually kind of comes together at that part because the the periaqueductal gray is a very very critical point in terms of regulating autonomic tone and and bioinduction has done a great job in terms of of looking at stimulation of the periaqueductal gray region. So, great work. I think it's still early days, but we're definitely rooting for you. And uh, in a couple of weeks' time, when that meeting is over, Khalid, if you can come over, and I know that you kind of try to make it a point to kind of attend our news hour routinely. Uh, come and give us an update, if you don't mind. Uh, we would love to kind of hear what the uh, European Council Human Brain Project are thinking in terms of using the bioinduction device for their work.
1: With
3: pleasure. With pleasure. Thank you.
1: And I, I, like, I like your approach of, of wanting to make brain surgery and deep brain surgery a little less scary for the people that, that are gonna go through it because I think we take for granted on our side of the fence that, that it's normal, everyday joke. This is a very scary thing. I mean, they were raised with the, the axiom, you know, what you're doing isn't brain surgery as, as holding up brain surgery is the gold standard of one of the hardest things to accomplish and um, you guys are doing it. And, and I, I appreciate your standpoint of of um, putting the patient into the mix of how you consider <clears throat> um, what this looks like for them and from their perspective. So thanks for that. That's awesome.
0: Cool. So I think we should go to the uh, next item with this, which is the Tivic Health. Uh, you know, the CEO there, and you also have, we also have some news to share in terms of what they're doing uh, at this point of time with respect to their IPO. So go for it, Jojo. That's the next news item. Yeah.
1: Um, so we're still really, actually, we're waiting and and we don't have an absolute date yet, but um, all of the paperwork is in order for their IPO. It looks like they're setting a price between 5 and $6 a share, um, which is pretty is really modest, I think. Um, and I think as, as they... They draw these funds from the open market that they'll be doing some um, pretty amazing things in the future. I think that what Jennifer Ernst has done um, with with her team there, on it's a remarkable story. Um, you know what, Aram, we, we should have her on the podcast because I'm not sure that she's actually told this in a broadcast format, but I mean, she raised... She, she built the technology, she got the company up and running on a really modest budget, a really smart but um, lean team um, and I think that it's a story that should be told in our field because she also adopted a direct-to-consumer market or a direct-to-consumer model rather, um, that's been very successful for them and I think they're going to capitalize on it and do some more. Um, so I'm really excited for them. Um, uh, this is Obviously, not a stock program. We're not giving any stock advice or telling you to buy anything. But um, I, you know, keep an eye out. I think it'll be um, something to to watch what they're doing. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think and I think we should definitely reach out to Jennifer to come and uh, and ask if she wants to come and tell tell the story of how they kind of went from an idea to market here. But uh, yeah, Tivic Health is basically uh, a company that is again using uh, uh, a transcutaneous stimulation device to actually target inflammation uh, again which is very close to what uh, Victor pekov is doing but on a on uh, I think probably on a different set of nerve targets etc so um, I think that's the news on Tivic health and with that I think we are down to the last news item uh, right Jojo so this uh, yeah this one's all
1: you this is um, you um, this has definitely been something you've been talking to me about for a while so i'm gonna let the rest of the world hear too
0: so i think this is probably the time where you actually people will actually hear arun from being the the kind of being the <laughs> factful reporter of information to actually giving my scientific opinion and i think people should probably brace themselves for it uh with Get that warned. yeah you've, you've been warned but at the same time uh, I'm just going to give the highlights right now. Uh, we are actually planning uh, a very in-depth kind of information looking at this, uh, uh, looking, looking at this next particular topic, etc. just to kind of inform because I think the market's kind of going nuts at this point of time with respect to kind of companies looking at, at sleep apnea, especially obstructive sleep apnea. So uh, we will cover a whole lot of information in terms of what it means and, and et cetera, but the most the news item that that we wanted to cover, and then my comments after that, is that Nipsova just got their FDA breakthrough designation, uh, looking at their um, kind of wirelessly chargeable, uh, externally chargeable kind of bilateral hypoglossal stimulator uh, in a patient group with obstructive sleep apnea. What is interesting. Um, And it's a very important kind of achievement for them. So I think we should definitely celebrate that in the spirit of doing it. Um, But I think what is also important to realize is that FDA breakthrough designations are something that is given to disease indications and to particular companies, which basically are catering to diseases with high unmet need. I think that is one of the major criteria. Uh, There is no doubt in anybody's mind that obstructive sleep apnea, uh, where patients literally stop breathing, uh, at least uh, close to kind of 10 to 15, uh, I mean, uh, close to kind of 40 times uh, in an hour, etc., can actually be pretty scary. Uh, And it also raises a lot of risk factors in terms of people developing stroke, atrial fibrillation, diabetes, hypertension, a whole gamut of those things. But what is really interesting is that uh, all the way from the late 90s, there was this company called Inspire Medical, which is now publicly traded. They actually developed the hypoglossal nerve stimulator, and their stimulator is kind of a closed-loop device, which basically senses using an impedance sensor that is implanted on the chest wall to basically detect uh, the patient is not breathing, and then it turns on the stimulator on one side. Basically, it's, 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 the stimulator is actually implanted or the nerve cuff or the electrode is implanted on one side or one hypoglossal nerve, which basically stimulates the nerve such that instead of the tongue falling back on the airway when the person is sleeping with gravity, uh, it actually kind of protrudes the tongue out such that it actually keeps the airway open such that the patient doesn't stop breathing. Uh, and they've been really successful and they've also IPO'd. When they IPO'd it was close to around kind of 400, uh, I think it was about 700 million, but now they're valued uh, on the market cap is around 6.2 billion as of last time I looked at it. Um, what was interesting in their pivotal trial, and this is basically comes down to the crux of the topic, and this is important for people to actually realize. And and one of the key things that we actually do is to go beyond the fluff. And one of the important things that the Psychedelics podcast has taught us is to kind of dig deeper and we feel much more comfortable doing that in the field of bioelectronic medicines and, and neuromodulation, neurotechnology, is that the inspired device, according to the pivotal trial and all the uses that we've seen in the area based on published information and clinical trial data, is really based on the fact that it caters to uh, a subset of the population uh, that basically have the collapse of the tongue from the back back or sorry, the front to the back, which is called as anterior posterior collapse, um, and that's you expect that because the tongue only moves forward and back, it doesn 't move sideways or anything else, and so the tongue is only there towards the to, to, it's really there towards the front of your of the person uh, uh, right uh, and there's only one tongue in everybody. Uh, what um, Nixova has gotten its breakthrough designation is for um for doing the trial in patients with concentric airway collapse. And I've checked that, I thought it was probably uh, an, a mistake on the press release on one of the websites. i kind of went back to Nick Sova's press release. I did go back and check on a whole series of publications that Nick Sova actually had. Went through a lot of the clinical data and I also spoke to one of the uh, clinicians that I know of in the area who also is a very eminent hypoglossal nerve implanter as well. Um, I think at this point of time, it is stretching it, uh, in my opinion, that Mixova can actually address patients with concentric airway collapse because it only affects the movement of the tongue. And there are 20 odd muzzle groups apart from the tongue uh, in the upper airway. So we're going to do a much more in depth kind of information looking at all of this in our podcast very soon. Uh, but I think that the information is great, but I think people will need to kind of look at this with a pinch of salt. And I'm very, very curious to see what data Nixo actually had uh, that isn't published so far, with most of the publications being very recent in the last kind of three years or so. I'm very, very curious to actually see what new data that they actually have that's different from every other hypoglossal nerve stimulation company uh, that makes them think that they can address patients with with a concentric collapse, uh, which would be very, very interesting. But what's actually the other kind of uh, aspect that the Nixova IPO has actually done is for all the other companies within the area which are looking at OSA, obstructive sleep apnea, it kind of has made this rush uh, within the investor community to kind of go and look for interesting opportunities or to invest more money into an existing kind of Company, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and I think that's that's logical. That's probably what happens uh, within uh, within investment in the in any given area. But I think uh, it just probably needs. So I think we are going to take a very sports radio or sports analyst kind of approach here, and really going to dissect out in through a podcast episode to actually say why we believe that it possibly may not work for concentric airway collapse based on the existing data. And if and when new things with a caveat that there might be data that we haven't seen, but at the same time, rationally, just stimulating purely hypoglossal nerve on both sides may not necessarily affect patients with concentric airway collapse. But, but, but more on that very soon. But I'm, I'm putting my neck out and, and we'll, we'll post this information. Uh, but as it, anything in science, it's about learning in the process. So w- I'm sure we will all learn. Uh, but I'm just going to do a very ana- analytical kind of approach to that, and that episode should probably come out in probably the next two weeks or so.
1: And Arun, you put a lot of "we" in there, and and I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna make a, a disclaimer here and just say this this one I think I'm I'm intrigued. I definitely I'm on the side of wanting to learn more. I'm not going to be um, adding a whole lot to this scientific conversation. I will definitely be there to stir up the pot and cause problems. Um, but around, I'm I'm making it known now, this one is all about the science and this one's all about you.
2: Yes,
0: it is all about me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's important to have opinions, opinions, right? An opinion does not necessarily have to be expressed only in journal articles. It can also be expressed in ways. And I think it's about democratizing the information and making it available to everybody uh, and going with what the data actually has to show. So I'm just going to rely on the data, the, the clinical trials and information that has been published so far. So we, we will see. Um, and, I, and I let people make the judgment. And if people kind of eviscerate me at the end of the day after listening to all of it, so be it. That's the beauty of, of putting the information out in public, right? So uh, it's, it's peer review uh, on, on an hourly basis, which is what it is. And, and I'm happy to kind of do that.
1: Awesome, I, yeah. I think I think that I'm I'm looking forward to this one. Fantastic. All right. So with like that, yeah, are we at the top of the hour. I've got another meeting. I I think we covered everything well. We just got it all in.
0: Yep, absolutely. And thanks so much to Victor, uh, Hubert, and Khalid uh, for joining here us uh, here on stage. And uh, if you think there are other people who you might absolutely will benefit from all the things that we discuss. Uh, please ask them to join in or the next time please use the ad symbol at the bottom to kind of uh, pipe them in uh, to, uh, to to the to the club here. So thanks everybody. And one more final pitch. If you haven't listened to our uh, 10 part kind of uh, 10 you episodes, psychedelic series, please do that. Uh, what's You're that, Jojo? I
1: love it. I am not. You're I'm shameless, shameless. Absolutely. I
0: it. It's the best thing that we have put out and, it 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 shows that we can we as 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 a scientist and a strategist can actually do something different to disseminate information and I think we should yeah. we should stand on top of our kind of roots and and shout and I'm happy to do that.
1: I agree. Thanks everybody. Totally agree.
0: Thanks, Hubert. All right, on the stroke of three, I'm just going to end the room. Thanks everybody. One, two, three. Bye.
1: Bye.